from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Smell the suntan lotion, folks. This boy is back. Happy to be here with you and happy to be having some fun here on a Thursday. TGIT, I guess, for some people. The wife's got the day off, so that's some TGIT love and feeling good about being here on the broadcast again. I missed you all, so thank you so much for for finding your way back to the show and being a part of this thing. I appreciate that tremendously, and I'm happy to have you right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It's been a little bit because we've been on a little vacay, did an early Mother's Day with the mama, with Teeny, and uh, took her out. Had some good times off in Orlando and Disney World. Had a fun time with mom. And now we are back here and back to work, back doing our thing, back making it happen. And I'm really happy to be back here with you hanging out. So hope your day is going well and hope everything is, has been awesome for you this morning and every morning. So hopefully all is all is good on your end and you're having a great week. And that you have an opportunity to continue to to have a great week and and roll out here with some more great stuff here. So this is a uh, this is kind of interesting here. We got some things coming up with Peyton Manning and whatnot. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Some things that are trending. But on today's show, we got it. We have a lot to discuss. Obviously, coming back onto the broadcast after being off for a few days, there's some things that have happened, some things that have went down, and we got to jump into it and let you know what's going on. Talk to you a little bit about the vacay and how everything was going. I'm tan in the studio right now, feeling that. I love that. So, and I have an opportunity to venture back to my, my the digs of, of Orlando and Disney World very soon to work on this tan and get rid of this burn. So, if you've ever had a, any type of a burn, folks, you know that it feels like not heaven. It's the opposite. And I don't want to talk about it because then I think about it and then I get itchy. <laughs> so... I did burn my shoulders while I was on the trip. I'm Italian and Hispanic, so I was like, why am I burning? What the hell's going on over here? But there was some burn that was going down, and, and now I'm okay. I'm doing a little bit better. Hopefully things continue to roll in the positive direction, but let's hop into the morning menu and get started with today's show and what's going on. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, the morning menu, that new sound of the morning menu, that awesome sound of the morning menu is here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And today's show, we're going to get into a bunch of different things, and I'm excited to discuss with you. we got to talk about Man Patricia and what's going on. Can the Lions catch a break? We'll discuss that in just a moment. Can the Lions catch a break? It feels like no. It <laughs> feels like never. They never are able to, to get a little break and get some good news here. 
at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We're going to continue with the segment that we started last week that we have just rolled out, and that is Coaching with Class. Coaching with Class proudly brought to you with the likes of Katie Kalinske, who spent seven years under Jim Beheim on the Syracuse Orange men's basketball staff with plenty of stories and plenty of amazing players that she's been around, including many that, have, that are now in the NBA. So I'm excited about this opportunity to speak with Katie Kalinske once again. we got to discuss those Raptors and how absolutely awful they are when they play the Cleveland Browns and LeBron James and then we'll get into some other stuff with the NBA playoffs and and so on and so forth when it comes to college basketball we're going to talk about recruiting a little bit I think we're going to talk about how you know the the transfer rules and all that good stuff and then from there we will get into the ingredients to success in the second hour of the show typically on a Tuesday at 10 50 a.m. Eastern Time, but with me being on vacay with the mama, we have moved that to today, so you're not going to miss your fix of the ingredients to success. Utica Pizza Company's got you covered, and that's coming up in the second hour of the show, and we'll round out today's show, as we always do on Thursday, with Through the Looking Glass, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events at 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. So plenty of show coming your way, ingredients to success, Through the Looking Glass, and coaching with class are all happening on today's broadcast but not before we discuss the fact that the lions apparently cannot catch a break and with that i mean it's it, it's it is it's like certain teams you just kind of shake your head what's going on they hired matt patricia who's the former defensive coordinator of the new england patriots so they said okay this is a great move Unlike Josh McDaniels, who was hired to the Colts, we actually got our coach that agreed to come here. So with that being said, there's a sexual assault case that is up against Matt Patricia right now. So he hasn't even had his first day, his first game, I should say. He's had his first day on the job, but hasn't even had the first game with the Detroit Lions as the head coach of the team, and we're already discussing something that's negative, something that could be, you know, damning, something that could follow the man as he moves forward, which is very, very, I'm sure, frustrating for Detroit Lions fans and confusing for Detroit Lions fans who thought that they were getting maybe their saving grace and it continues to be this... Uh, it is. I mean, it continues... It just continues to be a carousel of what in the heck is going on. Right, you lose Barry Sanders, Megatron, you lose him. Barry Sanders had more time to play, Megatron had more time to play, and you continue to lose these games, you lose close games and whatnot, and now you're sitting here with a head coach that you think can take you to the promised land, and here we are. So we looked at this, that's uh, owner Martha Ford, team president Rod Wood, and general manager Bob Quinn released a joint statement expressing support for Matt Patricia after a sexual assault charge against him from 22 years ago resurfaced in a Detroit news stories because you know that the media always has to find positive information. Matt Patricia denied the accusation made by the woman while Patricia was a student at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute on spring break in South Padre Island, Texas back in 1996. He said, quote, as someone who was falsely accused of this very serious charge over 22 years ago and never given, never given the opportunity to defend myself and clear my name, I find it incredibly unfair, disappointing, and frustrating that, the story would, that this story would resurface now with the only purpose being to damage my character and reputation. 
I firmly maintain my innocence as I have always done. I would never condone any of the behavior that was alleged and will always respect and protect the rights of anyone who has been harassed or is the victim of violence. My priorities remain the same to move forward and strive to be the best coach, teacher, and man that I can possibly be. So that's what Matt Patricia had to say about this whole thing. And the joint statement that was released from the team said, quotes, uh, well, it said that the charge was, quote, dismissed by the prosecutor at the request of the complaining individual prior to trial. As a result, Coach Patricia never had the opportunity to present his case or clear his name publicly in a court of law. He has denied that there was any factual basis for this charge. There was no settlement agreement with the complaining individual, no money exchanged hands, and there was no confidentiality agreement. In discussions today with Lions Management, the reporter involved acknowledged that the allegations have not been substantiated. As an organization, the Detroit Lions take allegations regarding sexual assault or harassment seriously. Coach Patricia was the subject of a standard pre-employment background check, which did not disclose this issue. We have spoken to Coach Patricia about this at length, as well as the attorney who represented him at the time. Based upon everything we have learned, we believe and have accepted Coach Patricia's explanation, and we will continue to support him. We will continue to work with our players in the NFL to further awareness of and protections for those individuals who are the victims of sexual assault or violence. End quote. Charges were filed in the case. Patricia and his friend, Greg Dietrich, were indicted by a grand jury, one count of aggravated sexual assault, but never, ever tried in the case. So, here we are. So, something resurfaces, as it always tends to do in the media. And I'm not sitting here and saying me in the media, because I'm not a delinquent. But, things always seem to resurface. When Dino Babers came here, people were writing articles about when Dino Babers was the head coach at Bowling Green, this many players, you know, got in trouble and blah, blah, blah. You know, this many players were on the staff, or this many players were on the team that got themselves in trouble. And does that have to, you know, does that have to do with his ability to coach a team and lead a team? And, you know, what does it mean when Dino Babers has players on his team that have gotten in trouble with the law? What does that mean for the future? And is he going to let them play? And is he a good coach? And does he know how to corral it? There were people. Before Dino Babers even stepped foot on campus at Syracuse University, there were media people that were already damning his name. It must be a media thing that I just never caught in class, that I never really got or understood, something that I never really followed, which was whenever somebody gets a job, find all the dirt you could possibly find on them and try to make them look like a total criminal before they even start the job. You know, but that's the way of some people. They got to find the juicy story. They got to find the story that separates itself. Well, I believe the stories that separate themselves are the stories where you tell the truth. You know what the hell you're talking about. You corroborate. I mean, your story is backed up. And I don't know. I mean, I call me a crazy person, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in line for killing somebody's reputation just to write a little blog online and uh, you know it's funny how God works in his awesome ways or her awesome ways however you see God I mean I, I say he because that's how I grew up but God is God I 
always seem to get messages when I need them. And as I'm talking about this and talking about media that just seek attention, th there's a quote that says, seek respect, not attention. It lasts longer. So, and that's true because attention only lasts five seconds, right? You write a story and everybody's like, oh, what's the story about Jim Beheim? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. What did he say? What did he do? Oh. And then the next day, it's something else. The next day, we've moved on. Dan, why aren't you writing about Jim Beheim and his personal life and this, that, and the other? And what about this? And why, you know, why is this? Because it doesn't need to be. What do I need to talk about? And that's, I mean, that to me, it's just, it is. It's ridiculous. It's redundant. It's suffocating. It's stupid. And the fact that people fall for it like a herd of cattle is hilarious. You know, I've read stories that had the title that would say something outrageous and you click on it and there's nothing there jim Beheim said what about tyler ennis and it's like jim Beheim said that tyler ennis should have stayed in school one more year he thinks he could have improved it's not like jim Beheim said your mother's ugly it's not like jim Beheim said you're a terrible player i hope you kill yourself but that's what the caption looks like jim Beheim said what about tyler ennis and then you read it and it's like he said as a coach that he thought he needed a little more time and he wanted to be able to help him improve his game oh my god fire the guy i mean what the hell so, you know, this Matt Patricia thing, hopefully the allegations were false and hopefully nothing. I mean, we looked at it and they, they, they claim that there's no money that exchanged hands and they were they never went to jail or anything because of this. But of course, somebody had to dig back into the past. And if they couldn't find a sexual assault case in 1996, they'll find that Matt Patricia pushed a girl down in the sandbox at five years old. And that's going to make him a bad coach and somebody that you can't trust. It's laughable. I won't call them my peers in the media. I just call them people who claim to be media. Media is supposed to be a good thing. We're supposed to be a bridge from you to your favorite player, from you to your favorite team, from you to your favorite experience. We're supposed to be that bridge. And some people build bridges and set them on fire as soon as they cross them. Go look at all my bridges. They're all intact. Unless somebody else knocked them down. I didn't knock him down. And that's how it's got to be. You got to be good to one another. You got to be good to yourself. I don't know why it's rocket science, but apparently it is sometimes. And Jerry Jones, keeping with the NFL, Ezekiel Elliott, Jerry Jones said he should be different in 2018. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't hold the team hostage all year, not wanting to serve his suspension. Jerry Jones said, I think, quote, I think that not having to address the, men the mentally and physically, not having to think about only the interruption or the potential suspension and the suspension, but just the physical interruption, the physical aspect of that. But from the standpoint of mentally, there's no question. I'm 100% sure to not have that on your mind, to not have the amb ambiguity of not knowing timelines those kinds of things, there's no doubt in my mind it will make a significant difference in how he can focus, how he can focus not only in the next practice, but the next game and the entire season, end quote, unless he does anything else stupid. That's my quote. <laughs> so, but yeah, we expect a different Zeke. A Cowboys fans out there, you got to be frustrated. You have to be upset. Ezekiel Elliott held your team hostage for an entire year. And what came of it? Nothing. And who won the and who won the Super Bowl? Somebody in your division. Congratulations. It's like getting smacked in the face 13 times. None of it worked out. 
Because Ezekiel Elliott, is he playing? Is he not playing? Is he playing? Is he not playing? Is he playing? Is he, oh, now he's not playing. And at the end of the season, when you're not playing, that's when you needed him the most. That's when you need the help of that guy the most. And you don't got and you don't have it. So what did Zeke do for the team? Nothing good. He had a good first game. Congratulations. Whoa. But I mean, Ezekiel Elliott didn't help his team out. He didn't make his team better this past season. He held him hostage. So, yeah, should we see a different Zeke? I would think so. If we don't, then what is Jerry Jones and this team doing? My question is, how are you going to get past Jason Witten not being there? What's Dak Prescott going to look like this year? Does he really need to lean on Zeke that much? He didn't look good in his sophomore season. He didn't wow me in his sophomore season. What's he going to do now? Where's he going to be at now? That's the question that I have, is what's Dak going to do? You don't have Jason Witten. You don't have Des Bryant. So Hearnsy's got to step it up. Alan Hearns got to make it happen. I believe in Alan Hearns because I've covered him in his, his entire time in the NFL with the Jaguars. So I believe in Alan Hearns. But I don't know if Cowboys fans believe in Alan Hearns. I don't know if Cowboys fans knew that know who the hell Alan Hearns is or if they knew who he was before he stepped in. So we're here, and the Cowboys have a different look this time around. The Cowboys don't have Tony Romo anymore. And, and yeah, they haven't had him for a little while, but it, you feel it more now because Jason Witten is gone. So you have Dak, and they drafted Mike White in the fifth round out of Western Kentucky. That was an interesting pick. But you got Zeke and you got Rod Smith. Rod Smith, he to do some good things. We'll see where he's at. They, they drafted Bo Scarborough in the seventh round. That could be a steal out of Alabama. He's supposed to be their number one guy, right? Wasn't there a time where Bo Scarborough was the man? He fell all the way to the seventh round. That could be a steal. But now you have Alan Hearns, who's got to be your number one. Terrence Williams, who's your number two. He's been your number two. Beals, Beasley's your number three. Michael Gallup, don't forget about him. This guy could be a sleeper. Drafted out of Colorado State in the third round, 81st overall. Deontay Thompson, they got as a free agent out of Buffalo. He came from Florida. Tavon Austin, they brought over because he was with the Rams forever and a day and did nothing there. So... Can Tavon be a return man? Can Deontay help him out? Michael Gallup, can he be a guy that can fall in here somewhere and make some sense? Standing at 6'1", same height as Alan Hearns, can he set up on the opposite side and make it happen if Terrence Williams falters or Hearnsy has a moment, whatever that may be? There's a lot of question marks with the Dallas Cowboys. It's not the team that people have been used to over the last few years. There's been a change. And with that change, there's a lot of question marks. Offensively, there's a ton of them. You know, Demarcus Lawrence being there still, and Taco Charlton, and, you know, Coney Ely is coming over from the Jets. Randy Gregory is going to reply for reinstatement. That's fun. Leighton Vander Esch looked like him, looks like he will be getting himself out there and starting. Jalon Smith who was a second-round pick in 2016 but didn't play. He played last year. And then Sean Lee still with the team. That's a nice linebacker core if everything works out. 
So offensively, there's a lot of questions with the Dallas Cowboys. The two teams that are playing on Thanksgiving every single year, we have Matt Patricia with all this stuff brought up from 1996, which was more than 20 years ago. And then from from that's and Lions fans trying to be positive and having this stuff come out. And then to move forward with the Dallas Cowboys trying to be positive when Jason Winton said, hey, you know what, guys, I'm not staying here. I'm going to go do something else. We're in a position right now where we don't know what the Dallas Cowboys are going to be from here on out. And the Detroit Lions, we would like to think that they're going to be strong and like to think that they're going to be good. But this Matt Patricia thing, there's always some, It's it, it always feels like there's a cloud in Detroit, does it not? To some respects, they're good, but they're never good enough. They play well, but they don't do enough. They have moments, but they're not enough and that's where we are right now with this team the other interesting thing about the NFL before we get on the line coaching with class with Katie Kalinske here in just a moment signature segment that you'll only only find here on wake up call with Dan Tortora the Saints are losing Mark Ingram for four games of the 2018 season, the first four games of the season. The note on this is says, quote, at the end of the 2017 season, as a result of an NFL-mandated random drug test, Mark Ingram tested positive for a substance that was not a performance-enhancing substance nor an illegal substance, but a substance, in fact, permissible with the proper use exemption with the NFL. This is a statement by... Ingram's representative David W. Jones. He has vigorously challenged the test results through the arbitration process. The arbitrator's opinion is due on or before Wednesday, May 16th, which is a week from yesterday. Upon having the opportunity to review the arbitrator's opinion, we'll explore what further options are needed, end quote. So they're saying, hey, the substance that Mark Ingram tested positive for at the end of last season was a substance that you're able to have if you use it correctly. And we're trying to fight this case. So Mark Ingram right now is suspended the first four games of the season. This upcoming 2018-19 season. He is out there. Okay? Right now, he's not going to be the guy. Now, the thing is, Alvin Kamara, he came out last season. And with Ingram, Kamara and Ingram are two arguably the best one-two punch that may be out there right now going into this season in the NFL. Kamara had 1,554 yards, 728 rushing, 13 touchdowns, NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year. So I think if the if you put the keys in the hands of Elvin Kamara, he's going to be all right. Kamara, Kamara, potato, potato. I mean, I say Kamara on the show. I've heard it said a hundred different ways. But Elvin, irregardless of whether or not I just said it right, <laughs> is, is is the guy that is, at the moment, going to be the feature back for the Saints. The Saints will play the Buccaneers, Browns, Falcons, and Giants in the games that Mark Ingram will not be there as of now. I don't think this is a bad bet. I like Mark Ingram. I like I like what this this group, Mark and Alvin, what they've done together has been wonderful. I think that together 
like I said, they're one of, they're they're one of the best backfields, if not the best backfield in the entire NFL, stepping into this season as a one-two punch. The question mark is if Elvin's going to be there, if they're going to have, or pardon me, if if Mark's going to be there, if it's just going to be Elvin by himself. But at the same time, like I said, if you're going to throw a question mark on something, I'm okay having the question mark be in New Orleans knowing that you have Elvin waiting in the wings to do what he needs to do and almost had 1,600 yards of total offense last year. So I'm not worried about New Orleans. And Johnny just jumped on the line, our resident Central New York Detroit Lions fan. Would love to know how he responds to the Matt Patricia stuff that was coming out here as we, like I said, feel like the Detroit Lions just can never catch a break. We'll take a step aside on the show. We'll come back with Coaching with Class with Katie Kalinske in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, gotta take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. 
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Proud to be back here with you. We're here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Unless we take a little break and some time in the sun. I had to take a little break and some time in the sun because I couldn't see Toronto lose again to LeBron James. It couldn't happen again to LeBron James. Never! Without Kyrie Irving? Oh my, no, it couldn't, I mean, all the trades and the guys that left and Isaiah Thomas isn't there anymore. There's no way that they could lose to LeBron James again. And they lost to LeBron James like LeBron James was back 20 years old and, you know, killing it out there, gotten to the NBA, rookie of the year, coming off of something like that. They lost to LeBron James and LeBron James's prime, yet it's not LeBron James's prime anymore. They made LeBron James look like he's going to play for the next, 50 years and so we're gonna have to discuss that unfortunately and so much more coming up here but before katie comes on johnny our, our resident central new york detroit lions fan said it was 22 years ago he wasn't prosecuted speaking on matt patricia he was 21 not saying that if it happened it's okay but the fact that everything was dropped against him and it was 22 years ago why bring it up Oh, that's right, because it's Detroit against the NFL. It's too early for me to get jacked up, is what he said. So we always get Johnny all amped on the show here. But yeah, it was 22 years ago, no charges, no money, no settlement, no nothing. But yet, somebody in the media has to bring up Matt Patricia, because like I told you, and I've told you for years, there are people in the media like myself, and there are people in the media that just seek to ruin people's lives in order to get you to click on a story. Hopefully nothing happened 22 years ago with Matt Patricia, but the question is why bring it up now? And I understand our Detroit fans' frustration this morning. With that being said, to flip over to the NBA for a little bit, to get on the basketball side of things, a new segment that we do right here every Thursday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora is Coaching with Class. It features Katie Kalinske, who spent seven years on the Syracuse staff under Jim Beheim, and she is here this morning to reprise her role and speak with me on the Raptors who got declawed. How are we doing today, Katie? <laughs> Morning, Dan. I'm doing well. So... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna open up the floor and say very few words in in this first topic, and that is Toronto, comma, what the hell happened? And I'm gonna let you run with that thing. <laughs> you know, I think obviously LeBron happened, uh, and I don't know if anyone's gonna stop LeBron right now. But I think the embarrassing part for Toronto is how do you have your two guys, Kyle Lowry and Demar? DeRozan not show up <laughs> that, that was the biggest storyline for me is these are your two guys that carried you all season long and you know LeBron comes in town and they forget how to play basketball in my opinion you know Kyle Lowry in the last game had five points you can't possibly even think about winning with Kyle having five points um you know and especially I saw a stat after the series LeBron had as many points and he had probably had more points than uh DeRozan and Lowry put together for the whole series and once you have one guy that's competing with your two best guys, you know, you have no chance to win. So I think they need to do some heavy soul searching in this offseason and figure themselves out before next year because that was embarrassing. And, and the thing was, you know, game four, they lost by 35 points. I mean, it's not even that this game was close. It's not even like it felt like it was close at all. I mean, they, they lost 128-93. to 93. They've had some issues winning on the road this season, speaking on the Toronto Raptors. 
But they start off the series losing by a point in overtime. They continue the series losing by 18 at home in regulation. Then LeBron has the game winner in the first game at Cleveland, and then after that they lose by 35. I mean, you look at these games and you say, what the hell happened? You go to overtime, you lead the whole game, and in overtime, Cavs win by a point. Two games later, Cavs win by two points at the buzzer. In between those, you lose by a huge amount of points. I mean, it's it's, it's absolutely positive. You lose by twenty, you lose by eighteen points, and you lose by thirty-five. How do you, the number one team in the East, lose by thirty-five points after losing at the buzzer? And it, it just, to me, it's it's a. I think above everything, it's a mental game. I think that whether you're a broadcaster, whether you're a coach, whether you are a player on the court, whatever it may be, it comes down to the mentality of it all. If you are not strong-minded, if you cannot take care of yourself and buckle down and not let the moment overtake you, but you overtake the moment, then there's going to be some problems. Do you feel, ultimately, Katie, that, that it was a mental thing because... I'm looking at the number one team that won almost 60 games in the regular season drop their final game by 35 points. That, that to me, looks like a team that just lost their confidence completely. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I think a big thing, you know, that could go back to is just leadership and coaching. You know, obviously you lose the first game, you know, in overtime by one, and mentally that could kill you. But then when you come back the next game and you lose by 18 – that just shows, obviously, the first game they just couldn't get over. You know, and then you talk about it. Um, LeBron hits the game winner. And then the next game, you know, they lost by 35. So I think a big part of it is just leadership and coaching and that mental aspect that you talk about, you know. not Maybe they don't have that voice, you know, helping them get over the hump. Or maybe after the first game, when they lost by one, the game they should have won, maybe they were just like, she's just, you know, we're playing LeBron. <laughs> so I think... Um, you know, like you said, the mental part is huge in coaching. You know, coaching's big. So I think, like I said, they got to do some soul searching this summer and try to figure it out because, you know, they were way too talented to get swept. You know, especially, like you said, you're the number one seed. You have the home court advantage over LeBron, and you lose the first two games. You know, like, that's unheard of. Yeah. So I think, um, like I said, just that soul searching and mental, mental toughness part. Yeah, you know, and that, and that's the thing is we look at, like you said, do you have somebody on your staff that, you know, do you have somebody on your staff, is, is it your head coach, or ultimately do you have somebody that is on the team that can have this conversation with you that could create this leadership? I don't think it's coming from Kyle Lowry. I would like to hope that it would come from DeMar DeRozan, but, you know, it, it's years back, almost a decade ago, I was told within the Raptors organization that they were done buying the superstar they were done going after the superstar building them up showcasing them putting them on a stage and then losing them somewhere so they could win a championship for somebody else and or you know or do it i mean vince carter they're gone tracy mcgrady they're gone chris bosh they're gone damon stoudemire they're gone marcus camby they're gone so it was about you know what let's just be smart and and people can look at DeMar DeRozan and say, well, now he's a superstar, but he wasn't regarded that when he came in. I'm talking about guys that came in and that's what they got. So leadership wise, Katie, when you look at this team, do you think that 
it is uh, that there's a lack thereof. Do you do you look at Demar? Do you look at Kyle? Do you look at Serge Jonas? When you're watching this game, do you feel like there is a true leader? I mean, we know that LeBron is in Cleveland. We know Steph is in Golden State. We know that that there's some type of leadership and also at the same time a little bit of cockiness and selfishness, but Russell Westbrook is where everything runs through in Oklahoma City. We know certain teams have certain guys. Kawhi Leonard with the Spurs. Without him, it's like they lost their soul in the game to a certain respect. Does Toronto have that, or is that something that they have to go seek moving forward? You know, it's hard to tell just from watching the game because you really never know what happens behind the scenes. Right. I th- you know, I think they just struggle to click at the same time. You know, like Kyle would have a great game and then DeMar wouldn't. You know, and for them to win, they both need to play well every game. You know, those are your two guys. You know, you never you never see LeBron having an off game. And he, that's why they won because LeBron just carried them throughout the whole playoffs and DeMar and Kyle, they just struggled at different points. And I think that they just no, never could really find, you know, sync. And, you know, at least uh, Abaka, he kind of took the pressure on himself. He was like, I know I'm not playing well and I need to. <laughs> so at least he knew, you know, he had to get better. So I just think, um, you know, they have, they're so talented and they have the pieces they need. I think they just need to, you know, put it all together every game. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do this off season for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, to me, it's just there's there's obviously something lacking here. We know DeMar DeRozan, you know, if he's not scoring 30 points, this team could be in trouble, and it needs to separate more than that. Kyle Lowry goes up and down. DeMar stays pretty consistent. Serge has to be on. Jonas is your center. But they're missing, they're missing that spark. They're missing that other guy. They're missing, essentially, in my opinion, the who DeMar can pass the ball to. I don't think if DeMar passes to Fred Van Vliet, with no disrespect at all, that the ball's necessarily going in. Norman Powell, role player. I'm looking at some of these guys, role players. Jakob, role player. But I'm not seeing DeMar saying, you know what? I'm not Jesus. I'm going to have an off day. Here's the ball. It's going to happen every, I don't know, 10, 12 games, five games with Kyle Lowry. There's going to be moments he gets paid a whole lot of money for moments. He gets paid more money in his contract over the next couple seasons than DeMar DeRozan for some pretty cool moments sometimes where DeRozan gets paid to be consistent, and he is consistent. So, you know, for me, from the outside looking in, and like you saying, we don't know the locker room, we don't know what's going on in the day-to-day, but if I'm the Toronto Raptors, I want to find a guy that DeMar DeRozan can pass the ball to when he's having a bad day, and I don't think they have that guy right now. So, I mean, what yeah. do, you, do you see that as well? Yeah, I agree with that. I think they definitely need to add another player um, in the offseason, we'll see. We'll see who's out there and who who's going to be available for them. Um, but I just think too, you're, you know, I, I think Demar Derozan is a great player, and you know, maybe he just he did have a couple off games, and you know, I he, he was great all year. So you know, it's hard to kind of it's hard to judge someone by the playoffs, obviously. But at the same time, it's like it's the playoffs, <laughs> and that's when you you need to be at your top game. So you know, obviously, he's a great player. He is a superstar. Um, and I think he'll figure it out, but, you know, maybe it wasn't even him. Maybe they should just add another piece to the puzzle. You know, maybe they'll, maybe they will, maybe they'll add one more guy that can score. You know, that's what they seem like they're lacking right now is another scorer. So, I mean, I think maybe if Toronto gave a call and asked Golden State if they could merge, then maybe we have a shot here. 
If they could, if they could borrow Steph, if they could borrow Clay Thompson, you know, on the off days, the Golden State's not playing their games. Maybe Golden State would want to get a couple other games in. That could be something. But it seems like the only way to stop a LeBron James is to have a guy who can literally shoot from my living room in Syracuse, New York, and make the shot in California because Steph Curry is insane. And and I want to get to him in a moment here, but I want to stay with LeBron speaking here, coaching with class which features Katie Kalinske, who spent seven years on Jim Beheim's staff at Syracuse University for the men's basketball team. I want to take a look at some polls that I put up recently here, and they all are in LeBron's favor. So we're going to go through these one by one, and I'm going to ask you your thoughts and then what you think about the reaction. I asked the first poll was plain and simple. These are all on Twitter at CallDT, C-A-L-L-D-T, D-T. Plain and simple is LeBron James the GOAT? 74% said yes, he is the greatest of all time. 26% said no. What do you think, Katie, about that? You know, I was talking about this yesterday, and the only way, so the only way I can completely judge if he's better than Michael Jordan is if they both came in the league at the same time, they played against the same players, and they got to go up against each other. Otherwise, I don't think it's even an argument because you have no idea. You have no idea how LeBron would have done in that time period. You have no idea how MJ would have done in this time period. So I would say, you know, it's a toss-up. You know, I just kind of enjoy the greatness together, you know, and hearing everyone talk. You know, obviously, I was young when MJ played, so hearing everyone talk that, there's no question about, you know, MJ's the greatest. It's just hard to tell. You have no idea. Um, I think LeBron is just the most complete player I've ever seen. You know, he does it all. He can, and he, as as he ages, he seems just to get better. <laughs> I've never seen anyone who ages and gets better. You know, I wish, I'm sure Kobe's sitting there saying, I wish I had LeBron's body. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> would still be going strong right now. So, you know, I think, I think it's hard to tell because you play in different time periods and, you know, the defense back then was different and, you know, situations are different and, you know, I don't know if MJ ever had to go against a super team like Golden State and I don't know if he ever had to go against some of the teams that, you know, LeBron had to go in the championship. So, you know, I don't think you should judge championships if you're the GOAT either because, you know, like I said, it's different. You know, LeBron had different teams than MJ had. And the fact that LeBron brought half the teams to the championship he did is amazing in its own right. The only thing I don't like about LeBron is he plays in the Eastern Conference, and I think that's a little bit lower, obviously, than the Western Conference. So I think he's had some easy routes to the championships at some points um, compared to playing in the West. So I think that's my only thing against LeBron is he plays in the East. And to me, the West always seems just to get better, and the East doesn't. <laughs> so, um, But it's hard It's hard to tell when you you, know, you play in different time periods. So I'm going to label them both as the GOATs. <laughs> no, and, and I agree with that. I, I think that there's a lot to be said, and we just had a response on our live feed that was the same, is that you know I had this conversation myself after this poll went up. I had this conversation recently where I don't, no, and you know I have it in my head all the time. Of, I don't know what they would look like against each other, and that's the tough part of this. You know, Michael Jordan torch passed to Kobe, torch passed to LeBron. Kobe won numerous championships, and he's forgotten in this whole conversation. But LeBron and Michael Jordan are talked about a lot, and I think you know it's funny generation wise. If you ask kids in high school now who's the greatest of all time, ninety percent of them say LeBron James that I've ever pulled in my life. LeBron James, Michael Jordan. I, I the last time I did it, we did a show with Wes Jenny, and one kid said Michael Jordan. Everybody else, LeBron James. 
And for me, if that was, if I got all my high school classmates together and said, who's the greatest, they would say Michael Jordan, hands down. And they'd be thinking about Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Larry Bird and whatnot. So I think that some of it has to do with what you saw live for sure. And I think the other side of it is too, we don't know what they would have looked like against each other. I don't know, like you said, what Jordan would have looked like against Steph Curry. If, if the Seattle Supersonics with all that they had had Steph Curry, would Jordan have been able to beat them? And like you said, being, you know, Jordan was in the Eastern Conference. It was a different world. They had, you know, Boston and whatnot. But when you look at Jordan back then and you look at LeBron now, yeah, the Eastern Conference is not as hard to get through. He doesn't, you know, LeBron doesn't have to deal with Oklahoma City and San Antonio and Golden State and Houston until the end of it all. He just has to best them in seven games where they have to best each other all the way through three rounds before they get to the end, which shows how dangerous Golden State is. And as good as LeBron is, I think Golden State keeps him in check. So it is interesting to see when you have this argument, how people say, well, LeBron did this, that, and the other. And then I always say, well, Michael Jordan could fly. And at the same time, it was a different era. I did say this, though. When, I, when we asked, between Michael Jordan and LeBron James, who would you draft onto your team knowing all you know about both of their careers? 72% said, everything I know about LeBron James, I'd pick him. 28% said Jordan. But then I asked this question. Who would you trust more to take the last second shot? And I find this interesting, and I want to get your thoughts, Katie, here on Coaching with Class on Wake Up Call, right here on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. Who would you trust more to take the last second shot right now? LeBron James or Steph Curry? 90% said LeBron, 10% said Steph. I was, I almost damn near fell out of my chair. What do you think about this one? Ooh, um, I think... The, I think it uh, depends on the situation. Um, you know, obviously LeBron is unguardable in my opinion. So if there's a little bit of time left on the clock, I'm probably going to go with LeBron because he can get to the rim at ease at any time he wants. Um, if it's maybe two two seconds or less, I might go with Curry, you know, just because he has that range. But how open is Curry? You know, it, it just depends on the situation. I'm probably going to go to LeBron at this point. I just think he's on a different level right now, and he just, it's, just, it's amazing to watch. I think we're really watching greatness right now in the playoffs on his part. Well, we know that Jerry McNamara thinks thinks so because he doesn't hashtag or or put anybody or retweet or anything. He just writes greatness. That's all he writes, and you know what he's talking about. So, But, I mean, LeBron James, 90% of people said we would take LeBron to take that last shot over Steph Curry, and I just – I did. I found that interesting. I mean, I guess if it's a half-court shot or a three or whatever, I guess we're looking at it like if LeBron's backing a guy down. But the thing is, is he guardable? Is there anybody in the NBA right now, before we wrap up, Katie, is there anybody in the NBA? Because I know what Toronto tried to do. They have Jonas Valanciunas. They got Jakob. They put them together. They said, we're going to build a fence in front of the basket. It doesn't work. Building walls doesn't work, obviously. And Toronto has nobody to front them. They have nobody to stop him. I look at at guys in the past, and I miss some of those guys. Like, I want to see, you know, what some of these guys, if Gary Payton was a little bit taller, you put Gary Payton on. But, I mean, for me, I would love to. Not even taller. I mean, he was good and scrappy. Just put him out there and against LeBron. Some of those guys that could make it happen. But is there anyone in the NBA, in your opinion, 
that can front LeBron and guard LeBron because in game one, when he went down the lane and forced overtime with one of his shots where he literally went the whole length of the court for the most part and went all the way down the lane, passed all five guys to the basket who just watched in awe like they were taking pictures like everybody else. That is how I define Toronto's defense against LeBron. Is there anybody in the NBA that can guard him? Well, I think it'll be interesting to see how Brad Stevens attacks um, attacks them on defense. That'll be I think that's one of the biggest storylines is you know what does Brad Stevens do defensively to try to at least contain him a little bit, or maybe he just focuses on everybody else and you know LeBron's going to be LeBron. And then I th- you know I think um, if he ends up playing Houston in the championship, I don't think anyone on Houston can guard him. You know I don't really think Houston plays that much defense in general and. I think Golden State would be the best option for someone trying to at least contain him a little bit because you can throw different act people at him. You know, you could throw Durant, Draymond, Clay all on him. So I think they all give him different angles of defense. And you know, I think Golden State would be the one team that at least can, if not contain him, at least they can score more than them. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think he's unguardable. And we look at the final four: Cleveland, Boston on the east side, Houston, Golden State on the west side. I expected Houston-Golden State. I can't lie that I'm not surprised that the true number one, Cleveland, is there with with number two, Boston. Looking at this Final Four and this grouping for you, just what you, I said before the season started, I said at the end of last season, watch out for Boston. Now, they've had to do things without Hayward and Irving, and they still are where they are. Philadelphia was supposed to be a good team. They're supposed to be the up and coming. Ben Simmons. Everybody was jumping on the bandwagon in the first round when they took it to Miami. They won a game against Boston. One game. No Hayward, no Irving. One game. This team wins. And yeah, there was a debacle of coaching. And yes, there was a debacle of of, you know, obviously the play calling that connects with coaching and the decisions made and the youth that was shown on the court. But Philadelphia are they're the babies of the NBA all the time. Boston moves forward. I said before the season even started, the Boston Celtics have the best chance of dethroning Cleveland and being the team that goes to the finals. Looking at that prediction before the season started, now that we are where we are, hindsight 2020, do you think that Boston has the opportunity? I know that they have a chance, everybody has a chance, but do they have a true chance of moving forward, in your opinion? I don't see it happening. I think LeBron's too much. Kevin Love's finally coming back into his own. The Kevin Love that I saw, you know, in the playoffs is finally the one that we've been looking for this whole time, the one that attacks the basket. He's in the pose. You know, he's kind of doing everything now. And it's, you know, it's like, where have you been? This is what we've all been talking about for the past three seasons is, you know, you're such a complete player and you're just trying to shoot jump shots. And now he finally, I don't know what got into him. He's, He's finally doing everything we've been waiting for. And, you know, Kyle Korver is just shooting lights out like he is because it's, it's so hard because, you know, you're putting so much emphasis on LeBron. So that you're going to have to give something up. And, you know, Kyle Korver is the one guy you don't want to give up because he's just such a deadly shooter. So I, I don't see it happening. You know, I think Boston's going to give them tough games. And I think they're going to play hard-nosed basketball. And, you know, they're going to probably win a couple games. But I don't see them winning right now against this Cleveland team with LeBron playing the way he is. He's just he's on a different planet right now. <laughs> LeBron is is being LeBron once again, and and it's it's the insanity of it all. Katie is here with us every Thursday. We're gonna have some fun. Speaking on the other side of it, Houston and Golden State. I still think that one, no matter what LeBron does right, 
he's still got to play G State. And I think what they did last year was say, you know what? We haven't lost a game going into the NBA Finals, but let's lose this game in Cleveland. Let's go back home and win the championship. I think that Golden State was dictating. I think that they definitely could have won that whenever the hell that they wanted to. And and that, to me, I give a lot of respect to them and the work that they put forward to get to where they are. LeBron is going to be LeBron as he moves forward, and he is playing out of his mind. I don't know if this man will ever hang up those shoes because I don't know if he ever needs to. But we will know no matter what in conclusion here, Katie, for this week's Coaching with Class, and that is that if LeBron James was a Cleveland Brown, they'd at least win one game. (laughs) I think they would. (laughs) So that coming from Katie at Kalinske, seven years on the staff of Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball and with us every Thursday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Katie, good to have you here as always. And I don't know, I guess I guess maybe the Ra- the Raptors definitely need some front court help. They need some guys that can do something, anything, when someone's backing them down in the interior. And they have that guy, Malachi Richardson. I don't know if anybody in Syracuse has heard of him. Maybe they should let him play a little bit. Because at this point, if you're going to go down <laughs> in, this, in this blaze of non-glory, so to speak, at least put Malachi out there and let me see somebody that I respect man-to-man. Yeah, hopefully Mally will get his opportunity next year. That would be nice to see for sure. You know, he, he deserves it. So that coming from Katie. Katie, as always, I appreciate it. I thank you for being a part of the show. And, you know, unfortunately we thought Toronto was going to make it interesting. They didn't. Hopefully it will be interesting from here. So thanks for coming on as always. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. All right, take care. That coming again from Katie Kalinsky. Seven years, like I said, under head coach Jim Beheim with the Syracuse staff. Got to spend some time with Mike Hopkins, Alan Griffin, Jerry McNamara, and Adrian Autry, as well as Kip Wellman and the entire strength and conditioning staff, which is awesome, led by Brad Pike. So much love and respect to everybody on the staff that I've had the opportunity and the blessing of being around and speaking with over the years. And I believe that respect is mutual. So I thank each of those men and women for the mutual respect and for the work that they do to get these players ready. Nobody knows, you know, what they do to get these players. I mean, it's, it's great. Oh, you know, oh, Baikita can't do this, can't do that. When he was playing with a hand injury for as long as he was playing and, you know, having his hand taped in practice and shooting one-handed free throws and making them as a center. You know, Pascal Chuku, everybody... It's whenever it comes to Syracuse centers in the here and now, people always want to talk about their hands. Their hands suck. Their hands, what are their hands? What are they doing with their hands? But we don't talk about the fact these guys make free throws. Pascal was the second breast. If I was on the Syracuse team this past season and Tyus Battle didn't get fouled and go to the line, I would want Pascal to go to the line. I would. Slightly over O'Shea, over Frank, I would want Pascal to go to the line. Seven foot two, but he made free throws. He made free throws. You can't hack him because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's no hack-a-shack with Pascal Chuku, and I love that. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We got some things to discuss after this fast break, so keep it locked with us as we head into hour number two. Glad to be back, still itching from the sunburn, but we all know I'm Hispanic and Italian, so this will eventually make me very dark brown here. I'll get back to my complexion that I'm used to, but just got to get through the burn right now. So, 
you know, everything that means anything in life, you got to go through some type of fight to get it. I guess I'm doing that to get my tan right now. We'll be back in a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, and we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so, you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly. The impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. We're in hour number dos and numero... Nu- <laughs> La hora numero 
dose is what I need to say. No Spanglish, okay? We're in the second hour of the show. Let's make it happen. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. You can also pick up Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora live every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time by going to WakeUpCallDT.com's homepage and letting that player roll that you will see right at the top of the page. It'll load up for you and play there automatically so you can listen there as well. And I thank you for being a part of the broadcast, however you're listening in, on WakeUpCallDT.com and or on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Just had a conversation about what's been going on in the world of the NBA and the fact that the Toronto Raptors just can't seem to find an answer at all, not whatsoever, to try and stop LeBron James. And can anybody can anybody stop LeBron James? The answer is yes, Golden State. Okay, that is the answer. I think if it's Houston versus Cleveland, that would be interesting. That would be kind of fun. Chris Paul, James Harden going up against LeBron James. Some physicality, some fun. I think there might be some some times where they're going to have to pull James Harden and LeBron James away from each other. But this could be an interesting matchup that I think would be pretty cool. I don't know if we're going to get to it, though. I said going into the season that Boston was ripe to take to dethrone the king, and they were ripe to make this happen. Let me say something about Boston moving forward. No Gordon Howard, still good. No Kyrie Irving, still good. No Isaiah Thomas, still good. Tell me if Cleveland can do that. If you take away arguably their best player, it's LeBron James. Where's Cleveland now? They're out in the first round if they even made it. You have to give Boston credit where credit is due. We talk about LeBron James, and I get it. I understand why. We got to talk about LeBron because LeBron is good. LeBron is strong. And LeBron, you know what? I said, why aren't people talking about Toronto? Toronto was an embarrassment in this playoff. They were an embarrassment. They were a total and utter embarrassment to their season. They played like garbage. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to tell you the truth. The Toronto Raptors were an embarrassment to their entire team. They were an embarrassment because they won more games at home than they've ever done in a season since they came in in 95. They had won more games overall this season in the regular season than they had ever done since they came in in 1995. They were the number one seed of the Eastern Conference for the first time since they came in in 1995. So you have three firsts, but guess what? You didn't go anywhere with it. You're forgotten. It's like you never made the playoffs. It's like you didn't even matter in this year's playoffs. And that's on them. When you lose a game by 35 points, that is a massive and utter disgusting embarrassment. It is an embarrassment. And there's nothing to say other than Toronto has to look at this season and say, wow, we've learned nothing. A few years back, we went to the Eastern Conference Finals and we made LeBron, we actually showed the King could bleed a little bit. We won two games against him, had to hit hit a half-court shot, but whatever, he had to hit a game winner to beat Toronto, and they did it. They did it. They took down LeBron twice, but they still didn't make it to the NBA Finals. Then they saw LeBron again and got spanked. This time around, they got swept. You don't get swept when you're the number one team in a conference. You don't get swept when you won more games than you've ever won before at home. You don't get swept when you've won more games than you've ever won before in a single season, ever. With Vince Carter, with Tracy McGrady, with Damon Stoudemire, with Marcus Camby, with Chris Bosh, 
ever. And then lay a goose egg in the second round of the NBA playoffs. You don't even get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You're the number one seed. You should be there. Toronto has nobody to blame but Toronto for this. LeBron James is great. LeBron James is relatively unguardable. But you're Toronto. You're the number one seed. You have more home games than Cleveland does in this series. You can't take care of home where you took care of home the whole season. You went 34-7 and at home. Toronto has to take a look deep into this. I'm not blaming Dwayne Casey. I'm blaming the personnel. There is not some... Serge Ibaka, it's like a finesse forward. He can make jump shots, and that's great, and that's pretty, and that's fun, and that's yay. Jonas Valanciunas stepped up more so than he's... I feel like we're starting to see the Jonas that they paid for years ago, potentially. I like watching Jonas Valanciunas now. I thought that he wasn't giving much to the team in the beginning when he came onto the team. But Jakob, I don't know what the hell he's doing on the team, okay? In the sense of the inside game, the interior game. You have to have players that are going to attack and be ferocious, okay? Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, friggin' Deion Waiters from Syracuse. He attacks the game. And when we look at these teams and we look at statistics inside of the NBA right now, We look at our leaders right now, okay? Toronto has DeMar DeRozan, and that's wonderful. But you look at that guy that you struggle to guard, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Giannis. Donovan Mitchell even this year. DeMar DeRozan's in here, but he's in the top 16, 16th. He's above Chris Paul and Joel Embiid. He's in front of Klay Thompson and Jason Tatum. That's great. But they don't have that guy in the interior. They don't have the guy in the interior. And Toronto was Toronto's worst enemy in this Series And in the playoffs in general, they should have never been close with Washington. They should have swept Washington. But they would penetrate and then back out like they were scared. They would break through and get to almost the basket and then run away from the basket like, oh my God, I don't want to get blocked. It was ridiculous. They showed that they could part the sea and then they ran back onto the beach. That's what they did. They took... They, they fumbled with the ball because they didn't know what they had. They legitimately looked like they had no mind out there playing. They turned the ball over against Washington so many times because they weren't thinking. They weren't acting. They, they, I mean, they, they, were, they were dropping the ball, dribbling it off their foot, bouncing it, losing control of it like they haven't played in the NBA for years. These are the best of the best. These are supposed to be the best players that we arguably see in the world Definitely in the country, it's supposed to be the best players we're going to see. Not according to LeVar Ball and his family that no coach is good enough for, but I could have told you that was going to happen, and I did a couple years ago. The Toronto Raptors were their worst enemy. They penetrated, they didn't dish. They penetrated, they backed away. They dribbled the ball and lost control. They ran the shot clock down with no plan. They looked like they had no idea what they were trying to do on offense. 
And here is where we are. This is where we are. Toronto did this to themselves. They have nobody to blame but themselves. Nobody to blame but themselves. LeBron is good, but you know what? He's a hell of a lot better when you don't know what the hell you're doing. He is a hell of a lot better when you don't know how to react, when to react, where to react, and they don't have the front court. Toronto doesn't have the front court. It's something that I've looked at. I said, okay, this Jakob guy, I don't know him that well. Let's see what he does. Nothing. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to disrespect Doug. I'm saying he's not the guy that I would have starting in my front court if I was a head coach. I'm just stating an obvious fact. Jonas Valanciunas, like I said, I like watching him now. I think that there's some things, that, and I need to watch him a little bit closer. But from what I've seen, I feel like, okay, he's more of a serviceable guy. Maybe he could do a little bit more than I thought he could do. So that's a good thing. But they don't have a dominant power forward. They don't have a dominant forward in general. And you could move DeMar DeRozan here, there, and everywhere. But when I'm talking about the front court, I'm talking about a guy who's backing down players, whoever they are, LeBron, whoever. They're pushing them. Nobody on Toronto in the front court does that. If I'm DeMar DeRozan, I can't pass the ball to anybody in the front court and be like, they're going to be extremely effective, one of the most effective players in the NBA. I can't say that. They might be the effect, most effective player on Toronto, but that doesn't mean that they're the most effective in the NBA or even in the top 20. So I look at I look at, I look around and say, who do you need to make a trade for? Who can you make a trade for? Who's coming out in the draft right now? Let's look at the draft list, shall we? Draft list for the NBA in 2018. Draft will be at the end of June. Let's take, let's take a look at it here. Let's see what we got going. We look at inside players, right? There's some good inside players that Toronto could go after, should go after. Let's look at the mock draft. Shall we? We shall. And that's the other thing about Toronto. They screw themselves in the draft. Okay? They do. They screw themselves in the draft. Because as of right now, the Toronto Raptors have no picks in the first round. And no picks in the second round. They don't have draft picks this year. So how the hell do they get better? They're going to have to trade with somebody to get some damn draft picks. They got nothing. Philadelphia is going to pick a bunch of times. Atlanta's going to pick all over this draft. Atlanta's got three first round picks. Three. Clippers have two. Cleveland... Gets the Nets' first-round pick via Boston. Ironically, they're playing each other. So they're going to be in the top here. Cleveland's got an opportunity to get a top-ten pick. You get Mo Bamba, Trey Young, Wendell Carter, Mikael Bridges, Michael Porter. Are you kidding me? The rich get richer. The rich get richer. Look at where we stand right now. If I'm the Toronto Raptors, I'm going, we... We don't draft that well. <laughs> More often than not, when we're trying to hit it out of the park, we we don't. The trade when they drafted Antoine Jameson and said, you know what, we're going to take Vince Carter instead, that was great. When they drafted Damon Stoudemire and he was Rookie of the Year out of Arizona, that was great. When they made moves like that, that was great. Tracy McGrady, that was great. But what are they doing right now? What are they doing right now? 
That is the question that we are sitting with. Is what are they doing right now? And right now, they need help. They 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 don't they like to draft international players, which I get. But in the states, there's a lot of guys that can help you out right now. For goodness sakes, look at Jason Tatum right now. Look at what he's doing right now. In this moment. Jason Tatum coming from Duke. He spent one season there. I interviewed him there. Look at what he's doing now. In the playoffs, he's averaging almost 14 points a game, five rebounds. There's guys that you can draft in the States and go after and have an opportunity to make it happen. And I'm looking at these guys. Donovan Mitchell, Louisville. Wasn't the best player on Louisville. Look at what he's doing now in Utah. Toronto is going to have to move forward, but how do you move forward without draft picks? How do you move forward without draft picks? Who are you going to go get? You have to look to the draft. You have to look at signing people. You have to look at Summer League this year and take a good hard look at Summer League in Orlando, Utah, and Vegas and find who's available that might be a sleeper. Because if you're Toronto, you need that front court help. You need someone to attack the basket. And Johnny said a point guard. I agree with that too. Kyle Lowry's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. Lowry's your shooting guard. DeMar DeRozan's your small forward. Serge Ibaka's your power forward, but you need more than that. Jonas is your center. So let's say we keep Jonas, you keep Kyle Lowry, you keep DeMar. Somebody's got to bring that ball up, and somebody's got to be a forward inside there for me. I like that Serge Ibaka can hit jump shots. I think it's amazing. I think he should have come in here and taught Syracuse players how to do it a little bit earlier and, you know, Rock to do it a little bit earlier and improve his game a little bit earlier. Because I think Rock's a good player. I think he could have been better with a guy like Serge Ibaka around him. But this team has to attract people here. They have to attract people there. And the thing is, right now, it's Summer League and it's free agency and it's trades. You're not going to trade DeRozan. I don't know if I want to keep Kyle Lowry right now if I'm Toronto. I don't know if I need to keep Serge Ibaka if I'm Toronto. I'm not against keeping Serge. I'm not against keeping Kyle Lowry. But when we look at everything here, when we break it down, and we go to the Raptors here, and the contracts, just to take a good hard look at the payroll, okay? Kyle Lowry costs $33 million dollars in 2019-20. Next season, he's going to cost $31 million. In my 
thought process with this team. I'm not paying Kyle Lowry as the highest paid player on my team. The highest paid player on my team is a guy who can front somebody, can at least make it interesting against LeBron, he's got some muscle, and is attacking from all over the court consistently. That's my highest paid player. If it's between Kyle and DeMar DeRozan on on this team right now, DeMar DeRozan should be the highest paid player. He's making $27.7 million next season, but it's not as much as Kyle Lowry. He needs to make more than that. We're paying, if you're Toronto, Serge Ibaka, almost $22 million next season. I want to restructure that little puppy and get another forward in there. Jonas Valanciunas, $16.5 million. I'm okay with that. CJ Miles, 8.3. Eh. Jakob's only $2.9 million against my cap. That's all he is against my cap. But do I shed that? He's a first-round pick. Lucas Neguera is a first-round pick. And he's not guaranteed to be there next year. And what is he doing when the clock's about to strike zero? Jakob, what is he doing? OG, he's a first-round pick. DeLon Wright's a first-round pick. Malachi Richardson costs almost nothing, $1.5 million. They really don't play him. Norman Powell's costing them $9.36 million next season. That's got to step up. Pascal's a first-round pick, $1.5 million. Fred Van Vliet doesn't have to be there next year. Got minimum salary either way. Alfonso McKinney, Malcolm Miller, Lorenzo Brown. I'm looking at this team and I'm saying to myself, look at where you're spending money. See if somebody wants Jakob, trade him away. Get some money. Get a pick somewhere. I don't care if it's the 59th pick out of 60, but get a pick in this year's NBA draft. Get somebody in this year's NBA draft. Because right now, your highest paid player is Kyle Lowry, and there's something wrong with that. And like I said, I'm not saying that Kyle Lowry doesn't do some good things. But Kyle Lowry, to me, is not the highest paid player on any NBA team right now. Johnny said I'm jacked up today. I am jacked up today. I'm jacked up because I'm sick and tired of watching a team like Toronto flounder with the definition of insanity. Keep paying Kyle Lowry $30 million. For what? What is he doing? Steph Curry, $30 million. Okay. DeMar DeRozan, $30 million. I could argue that. Kyle Lowry, $30 million? Hell no. He'd be coming off the bench in Cleveland. You got to be smart. You got to spend your money wisely. And like I said, I'm not against Kyle Lowry being on the team. I'm against Kyle Lowry being the highest paid player on the team. When there's no true point guard on the team and that I'm going to boast about. There's no true point guard, and there's no forward that I would lean on. Kyle Lowry leads the team in steals per game, 1.5, and assists, 8.5. That's great. That's wonderful. But at the end of the day, it's not $30 million worth to me. It's not. 
DeMar DeRozan becomes my highest paid player, and I figure the rest out. I restructure contracts, and if Kyle Lowry doesn't like it, then bye-bye Kyle Lowry, because this is not going to win them championships. They're not going to win championships this way. If they have no draft picks, they don't trade for draft picks, and they do little to nothing in free agency, and they come back in 2018-19 with the same roster, I will promise you that they will lose to Cleveland in the playoffs. I will promise you that they might lose in the first round of the playoffs. Because the definition of insanity, as you all know, is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And that's exactly what Toronto has done. And that's exactly what it looks like they're going to continue to do because they don't have any draft picks. And it makes no sense. And Cal Lowry is maybe worth $15 million a year. I would cut it in half. Hey, Kyle, we need to go get a true point guard. And we want to go get somebody that can help out Surge on the inside. Are you cool with that? No, screw you. All right, peace. Bye. Who wants Kyle Lowry? Highest bidder. Oh, $9 million is what you want to pay him? And we're paying him 31 If I was in the market right now and you told me that Kyle Lowry was $31 million, I would laugh in your face. I would laugh in your face. I would go, what? How much is DeMar DeRozan? $27 million? He scores 23 points a game. He's your best player. He's the guy I want the ball in the hands of. He's the guy that goes insane. He's the guy that makes it happen. Kyle Lowry? Okay. Okay. Okay, guys. What happened with that? How did that happen? That's like when the Yankees paid A-Rod, right? They paid A-Rod this insane amount of money because he's pretty good. And Kyle Lowry, they paid an insane amount of money because he's pretty good. He's pretty good. So, I look at A-Rod and I go, who was fighting the Yankees? Because the Yankees look like they were fighting each other. We'll give him 500. No, we'll give him 600. No, 700. 800 million. You shut up. You know, you shut up. And it's a guy talking to himself in a room that's padded. And he's wearing a straight jacket. Why are you, you're bidding against yourself. That's like going on eBay and being the highest bidder and then bidding above yourself. Oh, Dan Satora put eight fifty. Well, I'm gonna put twelve fifty, and I'll show Dan what Dan can do. Who was fighting you on Kyle Lowry being thirty-one million dollars? Who was arguing with you? Oh no, we'll match that. Who in the f would match that? Who would match that? Boston doesn't need it. Boston doesn't need Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving to be where they are right now. They don't need Isaiah Thomas to be where they are right now. They beat Philadelphia. Oh, the great Philadelphia. They're so good. Ben Simmons, I'm going to lose my mind. He's the second coming of LeBron James. Where is he now? Where is he now? Folks, look at reality. Toronto is paying Kyle Lowry $31 million. If this was the NFL, they're paying Kyle Lowry like he's Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. What the F? What has he done? Have you gone to the finals? No. Have you almost won a championship? No. So what are you paying him for? Two years ago, they almost let him go. Two years ago, they almost let him go to the Knicks, and I thought that would have been a mistake. But Kyle Lowry, he's not. I don't see leadership. 
And I don't know him behind closed doors. And I would love to know what's going on back there. But when I look at Kyle Lowry and I look at his face on the sideline, I'm not seeing a guy that's that's rallying the troops, that's bringing everybody together. DeMar DeRozan is the leader of that team. He needs to step it up and make it so. But there's other people that have to help him out. And if I'm DeMar DeRozan, I'm saying to the Raptors, I love you. I'd do anything for you. But you have to give me help. I don't have help. Serge Ibaka's not going to do it for me. He's not going to make it happen. I like Jonas Valanciunas. Keep him. But where is the help? Kyle Lowry is not the help. Well, when they play good together, Dan, it's like 50, 60 points. That's great. How often does it happen? And how often did it happen against LeBron James? Reality is that Toronto has spent an egregious amount of money in the wrong place. They don't have draft picks. And they're stupid when they draft recently, in some cases. You have to go after the talent. You have to go. Make it, you know what? Go to the Wizards and say, what do you want for Bradley Beal? Because he kicked our behind up and down the street. What do you want for Bradley Beal? Just see. Just ask. It never hurts to ask. It never hurts to ask. You know how many girls I asked out said yes, said no? It never hurts to ask. If they said no, it was their loss. Bye. But if you don't ask, you never know the answer. Yes or no? Are you willing to trade Bradley Beal? Depends on what you're offering. Well, now I know the door is open. Let me walk through it and see what this room looks like. Because I don't think... The Toronto Raptors are winning a championship with their two best players being DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. There needs to be a bunch of guys. And Kyle's not one of those guys, in my opinion, that's going to win them a championship. DeMar can only do so much. There's nobody to dump the ball into. Jonas. Well, okay, but there's not... It's not enough. It's not enough. And I don't know if any Toronto fan can fight with me and say it is enough. Let's keep everybody we have and keep going around this carousel with Cleveland looking like an embarrassment to basketball. Every time we play this guy, we pee ourselves. People say, I laughed so hard I peed a little. Well, how about this? I played LeBron. He played so hard I peed a little. That's how it looks. This is how it looks if you're Toronto. It looks like they're going, oh, Mr. LeBron, will you sign my t-shirt? Play the basketball game. Number one team in the East, with Boston as good as they are, and Cleveland as good as they are, number one team in the East, and you played like the sixth best team. You played like number seven. You play If they were in the first round against Cleveland, they would have never made it anywhere. Anytime they meet Cleveland, finals, second round, first round, doesn't matter, bye. Toronto is in a position right now to make moves. So do it. Do it. Don't wait. Do it now. Okay? Start figuring out who you need. When you can talk to, who you can, who you want to talk to. How you can get in touch with them. What you're going to ask them. What you're going for. Who is willing? Who you're willing to trade. DeMar DeRozan's off the table. Jonas Valanciunas is off the table. Unless you get another center that can hit jump shots. He's off the table right now. But the other guys, they're on the table. They're they're on the table. 
If you told me right now, Bradley Beal and, I don't know, a draft pick for Kyle Lowry and some cash consider or whatever. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll do it. Toronto is not in a great negotiating place right now. Because I don't know how many teams are desperately asking for Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakim, OJ, OG. I don't know how many people are, are out there, be- Lucas Naguera, how many people are, are begging for these players. Lowry, CJ Miles, Serge. You got to do what you got to do. Okay? You got to do what you got to do. You want to win? You got to make moves. You want to win? You got to make moves. Toronto's got to get themselves back in the draft. And they got to go after some of these players that have been kicking their tail up and down the street in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. They need to do it. They didn't lose to a ton of teams, but they lost when it mattered. They lost when it counted. They lost when their back was against the wall. And they lost their final game in this year's tournament by an embarrassing defeat. Thirty-five points. Why did you even come and play the game? Why? I got to ask the question: Whose front office is worse, the Browns, the Jets, or Toronto? Oh, I would absolutely say the Jets, then the Browns, then Toronto. The Jets and the Browns are they? They. <laughs> the Jets are. I mean, the Browns has has gotten a little bit better. But I'm not willing to say that they're the wor- they're the best of the worst. Okay, so what do we get here? Better yet, Knicks or Toronto? Whose front office is worse? The Knicks. Because the Knicks don't make the playoffs. At least Toronto makes the playoffs. But Toronto fought so hard to get back to this state that they're in right now, this era that they're in right now where they were making the playoffs. But it doesn't matter if you make the playoffs if you get embarrassed every friggin' time by the same damn team. That's like a teacher saying, you know what? Your paper wasn't bad, but if you redo it, I can bump your grade. And you bring it back to her and you changed a letter. And you fixed an and and turned it into a but. You put a comma. And she's going, okay, I was going to give you a 68, now I'm going to give you a 69, maybe a 70. Why isn't Toronto going for 100? Why aren't they reading through their entire paper before they turn it in and making sure that they have the proper sources, the proper punctuation and grammar, and that they did what they needed to do and that there's no run-on sentences and that they backed up their information and they, and they know that everything they're putting forward is 100% better than what they originally put forward. Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they checking their paper? Are the Knicks the Browns of the NBA? I don't think so. I just got to ask that question. Are the Knicks the Browns of the NBA? I don't think so. (laughs) Because the Knicks haven't gotten a guy like Johnny Manziel anytime recently. So I'm going to say no. I don't know if the Knicks have anybody grabbing their berry basket. I don't know if that's happening right now. I don't think it is. Hope it's not. (laughs) I hope it's not. Well, this is where we are. Toronto's got to get better. They got to improve. They have to stop running around in circles. 
They need to get back in the draft, and they need to draft with intelligence because it seems like sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. I want to see what Toronto can be when they have a true point guard and a power forward that has a nuisance to guard. Nobody on Toronto has a nuisance to guard. Maybe DeMar DeRozan, then who? Would you consider anybody on Toronto unstoppable to guard? No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. So then what are they doing? Is there anybody on Toronto that you go, oh my God, don't send him my way? No. Johnny said, Kemba. You want Kemba Walker to come to Toronto. I'm okay with that. He'd bring some flash and some excitement. I think it would be good. I think it would be awesome. Kemba Walker, he is a threat. And I've watched him. I watched him in college. I watched him professionally. I watched him in Charlotte the first day the Charlotte Hornets came back under Michael Jordan. I was there in the hive. And I watched Kemba Walker force overtime in a game that Charlotte looked like they were out of. It was the best way. I I think I said when I got out of my seat, I said something like, there's no better way to usher yourself back in to the league. There's not. I like Kemba Walker. And Kemba Walker was a pain in all get out to play when he was at UConn. I wanted Toronto to draft Kemba Walker when they had the chance. So yeah, Kemba Walker, yes. Great idea, Johnny. A++. We'll take a step aside. You rewrote your paper and you got a better grade. We'll take a step aside and come back with ingredients to success in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this, Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on Wake Up Call DT. 
Mixlr.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on Mixlr.com backslash DT here on the broadcast every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Happy to be here with you and to hang out with you every morning. So, having some fun, enjoying life. Toronto, man, (laughs) Toronto, I don't know. But we're at that point of the show where we're doing the Ingredients to Success, proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. Ingredients to Success, Utica Pizza Company is located on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, and... It is the place that has the feature wake-up call number one pick, Chicken Riggy Pizza, which you got to get yourself out and get some of that Chicken Riggy Pizza. Put it in your belly, and your belly will be very proud of you. Your belly will be more proud of you for Chicken Riggy Pizza than the Toronto Raptors fans are proud of this season. Oh, my goodness. They would be. It's like Chicken Riggy Pizza, level 10, Raptor season, level five. That's what I'm looking at it for. 628 South Bay Street, North Syracuse, New York. Hang out at Utica Pizza Company. If you want catering, delivery, or takeout, you can call 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060 to get in touch with Utica Pizza Company for catering, takeout, and delivery. You can watch our videos on youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt called Two Guidos in a Kitchen. And you can also see them on facebook.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Much love and appreciation for each and every single one of you. We didn't talk about transfers, so I'm going to bring that up here in Ingredients to Success. If you're transferring from one school to another school, right? You played sports at one of the schools, it didn't work out, you know, the coach left or the coach got fired or you thought it was going to be something and it's not or you were lied to, whatever it may be. See, people don't get it when it comes, I shouldn't say people, some people don't get it. That when it comes to some of the things that happen here and with transfers, you know, oh, well, you know, why do they have to transfer and, you know, they're being so difficult and this generation is so fickle and blah, blah, blah. There's some truth to people being fickle. Absolutely. There's also truth to the fact that, some of these kids are put in really crappy situations that they don't want to be in. And unfortunately, being in the situations that they're in, you know, whether it's a bad coach, whether they've been lied to, whether the coach is fired, whether the coach leaves, whether the school gets under investigation, the school gets brought up in the FBI probe or something else and they get banned from the postseason, whatever it may be that are out of control of the player, that a player says, I've had enough. I want to move on. Here's my thing. If you're a player in collegiate athletics and you're not a graduate where you can play right away, you got to sit out a year, right? And some schools make it more difficult, some conferences, and they say, if you transfer somewhere in conference, you got to sit out two years. You still have your eligibility, but you're not playing sports for a long damn time. And that's not fun for them. And it doesn't help them out. It doesn't help their stock in playing in the NFL or the NBA. So I look at this and I say, ingredients to success. Where can we go from here? And in my opinion, where we have to go from here is to 
the NCAA, ingredients to success, and say to the NCAA, if you want to be better, which the NCAA should absolutely heed the warning of being better, then you need to look into when a coach is fired, letting a kid transfer without having to sit out a year. If a coach leaves, that a kid can transfer without sitting out a year. That if a school goes under investigation and gets banned from scholarships or the NCAA tournament or their own conference tournament, that that kid can leave without sitting down, sitting out a year. Because those are issues outside of themselves. They have no control if the coach is fired. They have no control, if, for the most part, they have no control if the coach decides to go somewhere else. They have no control... And I understand you can say winning, losing, this and that, whatever. But ultimately, a coach is going to decide whether he wants to stay or not. A coach is going to, or whether he or she wants to stay or not. An institution is going to decide whether or not they want the coach to stay. And an institution's decisions that could have been made 20 years before the player got there could hurt the player's ability to play more games and get more exposure and be out to more people. So we have to look at things in reality and ask ourselves the question, are there a lot of transfers right now? Yeah, there are. It feels like there's hundreds and hundreds of transfers every single year. Okay. With that being said, I think the NCAA should allow a waiver to any player who wants to transfer out of a school where their coach is fired, their coach takes another job somewhere else, leaves completely for whatever reason, and or... The school is being investigated. I believe that a player should be able to leave and not sit out a year for that. Because those are not the player's fault. It's not the player's fault for that. You look at Rakeem Christmas, for goodness sakes. He decides to stay, and the NCAA smacks down someone in Syracuse self-sanctions and goes, okay, we won't go to the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament. That affects Rock. That could have affected his stock in the NBA draft? Absolutely. So I think ingredients to success for a better NCAA in the future, I understand that there's a lot of people transferring and some people don't like that. And I get that. And I don't necessarily like that. But Syracuse fans might not like that, right, when they're don't, when they not using it. But now, when everybody's committing to other schools that aren't named Syracuse, now Syracuse fans want the transfers because you want to fill the bodies and you want to put them in the scholarships, right? So you don't want it, but now you want it because you need it. That's why you have to look at rules and say, it may not be benefiting me right now, but could it benefit me in the future? Don't look at something and go, well, Duke got all the transfers, so I don't want them. I don't want the rule they should get rid of it. Because Syracuse right now could get some help from getting some good transfers. Mike Benajay, look at what he did as a transfer. Andrew White the third and John Gellin, look at what they did as transfers. Well, damn, they didn't make it to the tournament. Yeah, <laughs> but they wouldn't have won eight games without those guys. They at least made it interesting. They beat Duke. They did some really good things. So I look at this and say I don't like the onslaught of transfers. I don't like the fact that it's like a friggin' tidal wave. But... I don't think we should punish collegiate athletes for having to go through issues that happen with coaches and universities. I don't think it's fair.
I don't think it's fair at all. So in my opinion, we should change that. And that's ingredients to success because it allows people to flow easier and it allows them to be able to do what they want to do without losing a year. Because I'm telling you right now, let's say I went to fictitious school, Barble Hood. I don't know where that name came from. Barble, and if there is a Barble Hood, this is still fictitious. <laughs> let's say I went to Barble Hood University. And the coach got fired. And I had a great relationship with the coach. And the new coach that came in wants to bring in his guys. And he's really not respecting me or the other people. He's putting me on the bench when I used to be a starter. At Barble Hood. And it's not because of anything I'm doing. It's just, hey, he doesn't like me. I'm not his guy. So I say, well, I don't want to be a Barblehood anymore. And then people call me a traitor and this, that, and the other thing on social media and blah, 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 blah. But I want to go somewhere else. And they go, you could go somewhere else, but you have to sit out a year. Well, when my coach goes and takes that job, leaves Barblehood and goes somewhere else, he doesn't have to sit out a year. Why do I have to sit out a year? That's not fair. I didn't leave. I'm at Barblehood University, and they get brought up in an NCAA investigation and they start say and they say that you have a sanction and you don't have and you're going to lose some scholarships. Well, Dan, why does that affect you? You still have your scholarship. <laughs> it does affect me because if we don't have the scholarships that we typically have and they cut them in half and let's say we had 5 and now it's 3 or now it's 2, now we can't bring in the players that we need to help us move forward, which means that my entire time in college is going to be affected by the scholarship slicing, which ultimately affects my chance of winning a national championship, which ultimately affects my exposure. So I want to leave Barblehood and go somewhere else that's not being investigated where I can play in the tournament. But how about this irony? If I stay at Barblehood, I'm not playing in the tournament because of the sanction. If I go to another school, I'm not playing in the tournament because I have to sit out a year. So I'm getting punished for something I didn't do at the university and something I didn't do at the university that I want to transfer to. I'm getting punished for nothing that I did. And in this world and in any world, if you get punished for somebody else's sins, I'm going to call BS on that. So my ingredients to a successful NCAA moving forward is to stop thinking that these kids are so fickle, ridiculous, and idiotic and can't commit to anybody and have some respect for the kids and say, you know what? They have to pay the price for a lot of stuff that had nothing to do with them. They had to pay the price in Louisville for retroactive stuff, in Syracuse for retroactive stuff, in Penn State for retroactive stuff. And no offense, those kids didn't do that stuff. Those kids weren't a part of that stuff. And so if they want to transfer and they want to go somewhere else and they want to play right away, there needs to be a waiver in the NCAA to allow someone who didn't commit the crime to not have to do the time. We'll take a step aside and wrap the show up in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315 315- 
315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events, giving you a reason to celebrate. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, unless we're taking a step aside to spend some time with Mama. And that's what we did these last few days. Had an early Mother's Day. I love you, Mom. And I hope you had a great time, which I know you did. And I had a great time, too. So I love you so very much much and I thank you for everything because you're a wonderful woman and I'm very proud that you're my mama so with that being said and my other mama in heaven G mama I love you too sweetheart I love you so much and my grandma my Gammy Miller I love you and thank you for your love as well so with that being said I want to hop into the last part of today's show, which is Through the Looking Glass, probably brought to you by Looking Glass Events. If you're looking to plan an event in central and upstate New York, you need to call somebody to give you to give you some help, give you some pointers, give you some tools, tips to the trade. And that is Kira Wasserback, 315-702-4653. 315-702-4653 is the number to call to get in touch with Kara Wasserback so that you can plan your event the right way. Make sure things are on time. Make sure things are ready. If there's fires, let somebody else help put them out. If there's something going on with the family, if you're planning a wedding and they want 200 people and you only want to invite 70, then get someone that can help you be that bridge. They can help you bring it all down. Help you deal with the stress so you can focus on getting married. Help you deal with the stress so you can focus on your team's banquet. Help you deal with the stress so you can focus on your acceptance speech. Call Kira Wasserback at 315-702-4653. 315-702-4653. We always take a deeper look at a trending topic. So, with that being said, a deeper look at a trending topic. I like this topic today. It's on Twitter, and you can follow me on Twitter at CallDT. That's C-A-L-L-D-T. The trending topic on Twitter is hashtag reasons I got grounded. Love it. <laughs> reasons I got grounded. Luke said, I took all of my mom's oregano and sold it to my dad and told him it was weed. Hashtag reasons I got grounded. Another one that came from Mrs. Saint to you. I encouraged my brother to shave his eyebrows off. He had a unibrow. We couldn't find a stopping point. Reasons I got 
grounded. Let's see what else we have here. Reasons I got grounded from Elizette Z. I got a beer from the fridge and pretended I was drunk. Me, mommy, look, I'm daddy. Mom, what? Don't say that again. Go to your room now. Another reason I got grounded. Falling asleep under a bed while playing hide and seek and staying there until after the police were called because my parents thought that I ran away. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We're going, if you're just tuning in here, we're, we're doing a deeper look at a trending topic. We do it in the moment as it's happening in real time here on the live show. So I check what's trending on Twitter and we go off of that. So reasons I got grounded is the hashtag we're using today. Somebody put, for wearing a hoodie, apparently only druggies wear hoodies. I feel the same way about that. I love wearing hoodies. And people look at you like, are you going to commit a crime? I'm like, no, just want to keep my head warm and I want to be cozy and comfortable. And it's a little bit cold, but not cold enough for a jacket. And I got shorts on, but I want to put a hoodie on. Why am I telling you all these things? It's my, it's my style. I don't come at you and say, well, you're only wearing that. So you're this. So it's all good. Let's see what else. Reasons I got grounded. Let's see what we have here. Reasons I got grounded from from simple truth. I told the truth. Dad asked how much my prom dress cost. I said five hundred. How was I supposed to know my mom had said one hundred and fifty? My prom was damn near canceled. Reasons I got grounded. I got detention for talking after hours through a hole in my dorm wall to my neighbor. She would tap on the wall. I'd walk over past notes, but instead of Anne, got Sister Jane Ann one night. Boarding school grounding. <laughs> nice. Let's see what else here. I would run to the end. I would run away from home only to the end of the street when things didn't go my way. Reasons I got grounded. I like that. Forged my stepmom's signature on a school paper. Spelled her last name wrong. That's awesome. That's great. Reasons I got grounded. Let's see what else we got here. Some of these we cannot read on a family show. That's why you're hearing me look through here. I use my mom's expensive makeup to paint my doll's face. Interesting. Reasons I got grounded. I was talking in the driveway while my dad was trying to hear an owl. That is sad. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Let's see what else we got here. Reasons I want to I want to get a couple more in here. Sewing grandma's church wigs on my Halloween costume for a more detailed Chewbacca. <laughs> that one's my favorite. I think we got to stop there. We're doing the hashtag reasons I got grounded inside of today's Through the Looking Glass, a deeper look at a trending topic. So I'm going to end on this one, the hashtag reasons I got grounded. We're going to end on the sewing grandma's church wigs on my Halloween costume for a more detailed Chewbacca look. I find that to be amazing. And I that's got to be my favorite. That is absolutely got to be my favorite. So let's make it happen. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. That one was good stuff. So with that being said, it is 11 a.m. and we will see you tomorrow. Wake up call with Dan Satora Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. <laughs> oh boy. That's awesome. Grandma's church wigs to make a more detailed Chewbacca look. I love it. Sewing them on the Halloween. <laughs> That's so good. I hope it's actually true and that that person didn't just come up with that. It's, it's funnier if it's true. It's funny because it's true. That's 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 the funniest stuff. So with that being said, we're back on Wake Up Call tomorrow morning on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. We're going to have some fun with you as we always do, folks, at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. The annoying moment of the week, proudly brought to you by Carvel DeWitt at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. My cousin joins me for significant sound bites, Samantha Tortora, who just so happens to be one of the best players in upstate New York when it comes to the sport of lacrosse and has had a phenomenal sophomore season at Albany. That great Dane will be joining this show tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time live to speak on the team's season, her growth, and moving forward, as well as her sister at CNS, Franny. So Samantha Tortora, well, he'll have a Tortora squared. I don't know what that'll do to the show and to the universe if there's a Tortora on either side of the mic on on tomorrow's broadcast. We'll have to wait and see what that'll do, what type of portal that'll open into the world. She'll be on at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. That is Samantha Tortora of the Albany Great Danes women's lacrosse team. And from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we're going to have some fun with the sports world, of course, inside of football as well. Maybe a special guest will be joining me. So with that being said, we will bid you adieu. Have a great day. Phenomenal. Enjoy your time. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at CallDT. On Facebook, you can find us at WakeUpCallDT. And on Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT. Love y'all. I hope you have a great day. And buy your tickets now to the CNY Pop Festival for an event unlike any other with Syracuse football and basketball players available for autographs, pictures, and panel discussions where you can ask questions. Buy your tickets. CNYPopFestival.com. You got 15 bucks. You got 10 bucks for your kid. Buy your tickets now. It's cheaper than going out to dinner, and you'll have the opportunity to meet numerous former Syracuse players and so much more. CNYPopFestival.com. Buy your tickets today. God bless you, and I'll talk with you tomorrow morning.